Well, a lot of them weren't. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, so yeah, this came out in 1915. It was based on a novel and play by the Klansman. Uh, I mean, novel and play that was called The Klansman by uh, Thomas Dixon Jr., who uh, really was from that same school of thought that D.W. Griffith was, and um, felt that a lot of politicians that were like, uh, I forgot one specifically, I think it was like Thaddeus. Yeah, Thaddeus S something. Or yeah, yeah, I, I, know I can't know. believe I forgot that. Yeah, there's, these are important people. <laughs> we just totally... Thaddeus we'll, Stevens. Thaddeus Stevens. Uh, Thaddeus Stevens was uh, really, really against um, slavery, like wanted, like hardcore against it, abolitionist. And um, the guy who wrote The Klansman felt that these guys, these types of politicians who were strictly against slavery were just like the worst uh, part of America. They're like scumbags and that they were destroying the South by doing that. And so obviously he has a very negative view of the North. Yeah. Um, D.W. Griffith took this novel and made a screenplay out of it and that's Mm -hmm. where Birth of a Nation came out of. Um, It was directed, produced by him, right? The screenplay was by him and the budget was less than 100,000. Now considering that this film is made in 1915, $100,000 $100,000 might have been, I don't know, like the equivalent of probably like a big Hollywood yeah. film at the moment. I like right now, probably like a million, I would say. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know the... It's it's a substantial it, amount of money. Substantial amount of money, yeah. Decent, pretty decently amount of money for a film specifically. Yeah. Um, and apparently the box office is estimated to be between $50 million to $100 million, which was unheard of at the time because films were not nearly as popular as they were yeah. going to be in the future. But like um, we said earlier, this was actually like a pitiful moment for cinematography yes. and a lot of things. It changed a lot of things uh, with the storytelling that it did. And it also, film. it also had like a lot of social implications at yes. the time. Um, which was not heard of. At yes. The like uh, NAACP, which honestly I feel like they're, they've always existed because they're always yeah. there somewhere. But anyways, the NAACP um, uh, protested against this and wanted to get this film banned. Uh, in many places in the country. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work. Uh, they, they really didn't hit their stride until the civil rights movement where the NAACP became like a huge factor mm-hmm. in court and like law. But um, yeah, a lot of people still went to go watch it, obviously, because the box office numbers were really high and it influenced the South a lot um, to the oh, point definitely. to where they even created a, like a revival of the KKK, which had been declining in membership since yeah. for, for basically large revived years. It. Yeah. it was like uh, you said you were saying like kind of like a manual essentially for them. Yeah, exactly. So there is definitely a lot of social implications that came from this yeah. film. And it can be seen sort of like a propaganda. Yeah. Also. So well we'll we'll stick with that for now to mm-hmm. give you some information. And then the other film, like I said, Goodbye Uncle Tom. Yeah. Um it really is kind of like I was telling you earlier, like a pseudo documentary it's like a documentary taking place in the past. Yes. Um, really strangely shot. Um, you see, it, it, uh, they make it clear these are historical yeah. events revisited. Exactly. Um, it's basically all about say, slavery, which is post-Civil War, like, right? Uh, before Civil War and a little bit after Civil mm-hmm. War, pretty much. And during that antebellum era, um, the 1800s, I would say. The early, yeah. early to mid-1800s. And you see a lot of... Um, Really horrific things. Um, very gory. Um, kind of gave me the Cannibal Holocaust vibe throughout the whole film. Another film that was kind of hard to go through. Uh, yeah. Um, there was a... Yeah. I guess that, like uh, anybody who hasn't heard of this film, uh, if you've watched 12 Years a Slave, it's kind of like that except... It makes 12 Years a Slave look like child's play. Yeah, like Disney just, movie. Like, yeah. Stuff. Like it, it is just... 
There's some gruesome stuff. There's some, yeah, and, and really, I think that was the objective of the film was to show the gruesome nature of what slavery was here yeah. in the United States. Um, now, some argue that they kind of took it to the extreme by the like, like through the stuff that they show. Yeah. Um, there is also some like arguments as to whether it's completely historically accurate. Yeah. Um, I would guess that there are some scenes that were kind of taken overboard and. But it's obviously, a movie. but it, yeah, it's a movie, and but I mean I, that was the purpose to show the brutality of slavery and being that it came out in 1971 uh, and it was directed by Jacopetti and Franco Prosperi, which were like these two Italian filmmakers who were known for their exploitative yeah. uh, film styles. Um, it makes sense that this type of shock would be shown at that time. Um, they were kind of the godfathers of the Mondo. Mondo Kane films, which is like this idea of shockumentary, okay, um, to yeah. show like different well, things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like presenting films as documentaries. Um, originally, they started with uh, in 1962 with this film called uh, Mondo Kane. It's called The Dog's World, and they showed basically different clips of things that happen around the world and like really shocking things, and just put them all, compiled them all together, and just showed it. And it became a pretty big success. And basically, they spawned a whole genre. Yeah. Um, with, like, Faces of Death, like, they came out in the 70s, like, obviously being taken from that. And, yeah. Uh, like, there's a ton of, like, shockumentaries that My all came from that. Really fucked up. Yeah. But these guys were the pretty much the originators. Um, there had been other films that were, like, proto-shockumentaries, like mm-hmm. European Nights in 1959 and World by Night 1 and 2 1961. But this was the big film, Mondo Kane, that made it huge. Now, um, Goodbye Uncle Tom is basically a continuation of that shockumentary feel. Um, It's a little bit different, though, because, like you said, it's, like, pseudo-historical. Obviously, since this was made in 1971, they were not able to go back to, like, the antebellum era, right? No. Unless you have a time machine that I haven't heard of. (laughs) Um, Exactly. But they they, they, uh, present it as if it's... Like, as if they went there in the past. Yeah, I mean, they, they literally, the very first scene, do you remember what it is? Yeah, they were, like, flying through. It's like a goddamn spaceship. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> they're on a helicopter. And, like, a, yeah. I think it's a helicopter because you can see the fields kind of move. Like, Which is moving. kind of a messed up scene. Yeah, they're, like, it's a helicopter going through a southern plantation in the, in, during the antebellum era in the yeah. south. And then, like, landing there and then talking to plantation owners and, like, groups of, like, distinguished American, like, figures, you know? Yeah. Um, the first one, uh, being this guy, what was his name? Something of Roanoke, who, like, talks about, like, why slavery is necessary in the South, and then yeah. we have, uh, what's the girl, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, yeah. which, like, like, we were talking about, we, they didn't, like, actually, I mean, they did, they, like, they lived during the same era, but she was born when he was already yeah, kind of... Yeah, there's a huge age gap. Yeah, there's a huge age gap. So obviously this film isn't being completely historically accurate there. It's just using them as to to present different viewpoints of slavery. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you said, a hypothetical, kind of like a little coffee table yeah. hypothetical. If we were to have like all these different figures, what would happen kind of thing, you know? And yeah, it's yeah. like a dialogue between them. Which kind of helps open up the story and further ongoing. Yeah. Um, there, is, there, are, there are a lot of crazy de- depictions of slavery... Um, how people thought about slaves, um, very gruesome. I, I, there's a huge warning, like a huge warning for anybody that's, like, yeah, I don't know, is triggered by blood Easy, or whatever. Easily offended, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously, in terms of race and also in terms of just gore. There's no subtext in any of these films, either of these films. Yeah, it's just it's straight just up, like hardcore. 
Yeah. Um, um, also, just so you know, like the you, like I mentioned before, you got mm-hmm. that cannibal holocaust vibe yeah, because of the, the music. Whole the whole the music too. Yeah, the music was uh, composed by Riz Ortolani, which was known. He was known for making a lot of soundtracks for Italian shockumentary films yeah. and also like uh, just other like exploitation films that came out during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music is very sounds very similar to Cannibal oh, Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, this, towards the end. This is like nine years before kind of a Holocaust, but still there's, he obviously has a sound, a certain sound, and it, it's a pretty cool soundtrack. I actually like it a lot. Yeah, I like it too. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, By the way, oh, sorry. Budget and box office uh, numbers are kind of unknown too. I'm not exactly sure what those numbers are. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, since it's a foreign film, you know, since it was made in Italy, um, or not made in Italy, but made by Italian directors. It's different. It's a. Uh, it's kind of hard to find those numbers, and it was kind of a weird film that was hated and loved at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit what we were talking about earlier about how um, this they made this film directly after they had made the previous film? It's mm-hmm. kind of like a response. Yeah. Um, and we'll go into that later, but I just want to mention it before we move on. Yeah, like I said, they were known for that uh, for that shockumentary style and. The film they made before this one, Goodbye Uncle Tom, they made a Africa Blood and Guts, which is another shockumentary film. It's mm-hmm. pretty controversial, so this was their kind of response to uh, them being called racist, and so they basically took the other route and <laughs> really went like hardcore anti-racist. I guess you can say, but still, the scenes that are shown in the film are pretty brutal. That it almost seems like the filmmaking process itself was exploitative. And uh, I guess we can talk about a little bit more yeah. about that later. There's a scene I really want to talk about. Just try to re- remind me, and it, it adds to that little situation with them. And I'll bring it up. I think okay. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, But uh, let's move on to... Wait, let's, uh, let's quickly oh, mention the plot yeah. of... Because we never mentioned the plot of Goodbye Uncle Tom, really. The plot itself is... Yeah, like I said, it's kind of just the showcasing... Yeah, of just different historical events. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like we had mentioned earlier before the podcast it was post civil war where slaves were hired by like government the government officials to actually dig up these bones and properly bury them with unmarked graves yeah um another scene was uh i guess importing free slaves um because there was a, a ban on... Um, That's where, like, the 12 Years of Slave kind of thing happened. Yeah. Where, like, uh, if you cross a certain border, you would, like, uh, be free, considered free mm-hmm. into the north, but to the south, you'd still be taken back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to summarize it really quickly, I don't... I, we'll get more into depth in yeah. the analysis part, but to summarize the film, I would say it's... Um, it has to do with the African-American experience here from coming through the boats um, to, do, like, slave ships... Uh, through the Atlantic slave trade till them, you know, working there as plantation um, slaves and their experience. That's basically it. And yeah. all the different things they go through, through the cleaning process, which is like this huge scene in the beginning, um, to like all, you know, the exploitation that they had to, all the abuse yeah. they had to endure. Assimilation after that. And yeah, even like the scientific views of them and yeah. which to me I'll talk about that later when we get into it but um and there's a little sprinkle of different races you get a Jewish man you have some Indi- uh, native yeah and then you have um I think an Asian man at one point but he's yeah. in Louisiana and his whole character is gay I think yeah so you know th- there's different races depicted but it's mainly focused on the African American experience. experience like you were yeah. saying very gruesome but would you like to add anything else before we move on no I think that's good alright 
I couldn't get anything else. But I saved that, so we have the whole intro. Everything's cool, don't worry. Looks different. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this, the, our, our analysis part is going to be a little different because, like I said, there's not too much subtext. There's nothing underneath the layer. Yeah. It's really straightforward to both of these films. Yeah. Um, so want to go ahead and start us off? We're going to basically um, go over two main uh, historical events and then showcase how the different films you know exhibit those like times in history because yeah, there are major differences and when these films were released 1915 and then 1971 yeah that, i mean that is completely like it's another Pops world ends, yeah um so the way that these films are you know when they were made and even though they're depicting the same thing the fact that they were made in different times changes the way that they're depicted in the film themselves yeah um so, in the case of antebellum slavery and the Civil War, um, the birth of a nation, one of the very first scenes that I noticed um, when they're showing a plantation is they have, like, these plantation owners going through, through the fields, yeah. and you see this, uh, these slaves working in the background, and uh, they're just happy. They're just, like, all happy, and it seems everything peaceful. And, I mean, D.W. Griffith is doing this on purpose because yeah. he wants it to seem as before the Civil War, before there was this, like, animosity between the North and the South, that everything was peaceful and that, like, the North pushing their ideologies caused there to be some rift yeah. uh, between the peace that existed at that time. Um, another thing is... I mean, I guess you could talk a little bit more into about the slavery itself before we move into the Civil War, because I have mm-hmm. a lot on the Civil War itself. Um, in uh, Goodbye, Uncle Tom, I noticed that, uh, you know, like, the the way that slavery is depicted is completely different. Um, yeah. The slaves don't look happy at all. No. Um, they look very just, I, I don't know, they look not only sad and, and tired... They just look really depressed. Um, and there are scenes, though, that, I where mean, where they are, like, you know, like, frolicking and being happy yeah. and stuff. But those but ones I, are kind of depicted, like, like to, to make it more of a modern context, like uh, Samuel Jackson character in Django, where yeah. it's basically they're brainwashed. Yeah. And they think, like, yeah, this is the way things are supposed to be. I'm, I'm, I'm black. This is the way it's supposed to be. Like, I'm not supposed to be... From uh, upper class like my master or whatever, you yeah. know. I mean, even even as a viewer, you're watching this, and even though the slaves themselves seem happy, you're not happy for them. Like you feel like this is like some type weird. of twisted happiness, and it just you don't get like a happy feeling. You get like a what the hell, man? Like this is terrible. Like I don't know. Yeah. You get weird. You get a weird vibe out of it. Yeah. Um. So it's I don't think it was made for you know to show that they were happy. I think it was made for to show how brainwashed they were and how fucked yeah. up everything was at the time. You know. Um, is there any scene in particular um, that you remember about this, about the slavery experience? Well, the ones that stand out are the ones on the ships. Yeah. That ones are really intense. And then when they're doing the cleansing process, just the way that, I mean, obviously it's a radical version of what yeah. actually went on, but like to even think that being a, like a spawn of what actually came, came about, like the actual experience could have been that bad. Well, I think the slave ship part was that bad. Uh, it probably might have been even worse, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, so, in, in Goodbye Uncle Tom, I would say they're even a little bit softer than they should have been, but still, it's still really brutal and hard to watch, yeah. though. Um, you know, you have people, like, being sick and, like... Yeah. Um, diseases. Diseases. Oh, just... Um, it, it, it's a... It's really gruesome where there's a bunch of rats and cockroaches on them and... You know, like they're they're basically being told not to 
like be bothered by it. Can you explain a little bit about the actors in this film? Just before we go on to anything else? Because yeah. I, I thought that was very significant when you mentioned this to me. Yeah, um, so that's where the exploitative feel comes from, I think. Um, the actors themselves were kind of forced to act in this film, uh, but they were some of them being paid through, like some of them sort of being paid a little bit, but it, uh, they were kind of forced through the dictatorship. Uh, so they filmed this in, what was it, what was the place exactly? Somewhere in the Caribbean, in Haiti. Haiti. Uh, yeah, they, they filmed this in Haiti, which is hilarious to me because all the settings, even though they're supposed to depict America, they all seem kind of tropical-ish. Yeah. And like, they seem very different than what I expected <laughs> to be, and so I, I mean, me knowing how it's supposed to look like, I can tell that this was not filmed in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the a lot of the actors were, I mean, since this was a dictatorship, uh, and the and the government itself was working with the directors, like the directors and the, and the government were yeah. okay, they allowed this film to be made. Um, a lot of the actors were forced to be there, and so I mean, you can see it through. Like, it's not only like they're uncomfortable because of the scene, but they're uncomfortable because they're being told to do this. And they have yeah, no choice. Exactly. Um, and that's where I felt like the the ship parts were really heavy, and also when they're afterwards when they're doing the cleansing process, and they're being hung, the the men are being hung upside down because they're saying something about epilepsy, let the blood rush straight to the head, let it fill there so they can till the episode's over. That was that that the first like thirty minutes are really intense. It's like right in your face. Yeah, it's really heavy. Like, like the, the guy like being like uh, during the one of the for some reason one of the scenes that just like grossed me out it was um, where during the cleansing process and they're like cutting the hair. Oh yeah, and the, the razor like, and the guy's just yeah, like yeah touching his head and it's just like blood and he's like so dumbfounded by that like because yeah. like they're supposed to not they're being ripped out of what they're used to and they're yeah. Just, being put into this civilization and like they don't know what a razor is and he gets, he's just touching his head because it's covered with blood but he's probably never seen his own blood ever yeah you know and it's really in- intense seeing that um just say just to speak a little bit more about the treatment that the directors were getting in Haiti mm-hmm. um they were given diplomatic cars they were they were given clearance to film anywhere on the island and they were they would get as many extras as they needed, um, so wow. the, the government would just give them whatever they wanted. Um, they even had like a dinner with the the leader himself, uh, Papa Doc Duvalier, who was the leader at the time. Wow. Um, so I mean, so they're treated pretty well. Yeah, and there was hundreds of Haitian extras that were you know part of this like them depicting and acting in this cruel treatment of slaves. Yeah. Um, I that to me is I don't know, man. That is shocking. Uh, to participate in those, even if, I don't, it's hard to believe that anybody would willingly participate in scenes like that. I mean, there are scenes where like, guys are, there, isn't there a scene where a slave is, um, I think he's like sick or something, or has like constipation or something oh, like that. Oh, it's like, is it when they're all lined up? Yeah, and they're, they're all like, up. all like plugging them? Oh, yeah. wait, there's, there's two, there's that, there's that one with the water hose, and that's where yeah. they're cleaning them, and there's another one in the ship where they're like, have like a, a sugar cane yeah. plug with wrapped in like uh, burlap. And they just shove it up his butt. Yeah, like it's it's just oh. The treatments are really insane. Yeah, I mean it's also like, I mean let's be real. This is in 1971, and nobody was like, I mean, we were so civilized. I mean we were civilized at that point where we yeah. nobody would be naked at least like walking around naked. And a lot of the actors were forced to be naked in a lot of these scenes. I mean yeah. to show the realism of slavery, but still like, I don't know. You you literally see hundreds of people naked in yeah. this film. Everybody. 
yeah. kids, uh, women. Yeah, and so it's just like I can't, I can't believe that this. You, I can't. I, I, it's almost hard to believe that this film was even made, to be honest yeah. with you. But yeah, it's. And I guess that would be what the subtext is: is how the actual actors were treated, like, and like they're. That that'd be the only subtext I could actually find. Is the pain is real? Not yeah. Only had to relive this moment in their in like, their history. Yeah. But they're being forced to. Yeah, and not, not only that, but I mean, I think that is also. As, as the viewer yourself, you're saying like, wow, I can't believe this was made, but at the same time, this is real history, so yeah. you should also be asking yourself, I can't believe this actually happened in the United States. Yeah, that's States. exactly right. I thought about it you know, afterwards. Um, so it's... it's <laughs> Makes you rethink. The brutality of it almost helps proves, prove its point, yeah. um, how, how brutal uh, our history is, I guess. Maybe it needs to be a little brutal in yeah. effort to get through. Exactly. Um... Let's see, there's um, one of the scenes that I found really, really powerful that uh, I think really just summarizes the whole thing is uh, there's a scene where this, uh, there's like children playing with these white, all these white children, and then you see this white girl. Yeah. Oh. She she has like on, the, on her, on a leash, you expect like a dog. Yeah. And then it turns the corner and it's this little African yeah, boy. Like this, this like uh, slave and... <sighs> She's just, just like, insane. yeah, she's just treating him like a pet or something. She's running around just holding him with like a chain collar. And it's ugh. just like, ugh. Start the whole movie. It's yeah, like, that's pretty much it. That's that's one that's like burned in there, dude. That's yeah, like in there. that image is just, it's... Oh, man, dude. There's so, like, it. the whole film is that heavy, though. Like, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It, it doesn't hold back at all. And not until the end, but we'll go with that later. But yeah. it's just like nonstop. There's nothing holding these directors back. Like they went all out, man. There's I, I want to talk about Birth of a Nation real quick. Um, the lack of black actors. Yeah. Because at the time there's none really. Yeah, this is like the opposite. Um, here we have like yeah. hundreds of black extras, and in uh, Birth of a Nation. <laughs> A lot of the actors, a lot of at least the ones that had some type of role other than being in the background, uh, were usually white men in blackface. Yeah, a lot of them were blackface. Yeah, I saw yeah. one of the mammies was blackface. Yeah. You notice that? That that's also what I wanted to talk about was um, the stereotypes, black stereotypes, and how they're shown in this film. Yeah, um, outlandish. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. But uh, even in Goodbye Uncle Tom, they have mammy characters too. Oh yeah, um, which to me is. I don't know this I have mixed feelings about the purpose of that film because at the same time although it does show its brutality it yeah. still depicts stereotypes in like an exploitative feel so it almost seems like another racist film too yeah uh, I, I don't know it's really it, the way it's filmed is so it seems very um it doesn't seem like it had a good intention if, if yeah like there was it a, no yeah it, that's why I feel a little bit mixed in terms of that but uh there's one scene that also in terms of stereotypes um there's like a bunch of uh I don't know I, I can't even describe I don't even know what it is it's like it seems like a little street corner or like alley or this little place where like this little market where there's just a bunch of random things going on and this lady's trying to get things done do you remember the scene? And you see like a girl, like a black girl swinging like on the top. She's like holding on to the top and this, this, oh, I think it's a white, uh, I mean a black boy. And then you see a black girl singing on the top just, and then there's like a bunch of disorder happening and there's like food think. everywhere. It's like in the middle of the film. It's one of the, it's a weird scene. 
Um, but when you, if you look down on the floor and you look at everything, like there's a bunch of, uh, you know, slaves there. Uh, and on the floor we see like watermelons, like all uh, broken okay. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and even in the um, Birth of a Nation, you see like watermelons too, and fried chicken being like used as like stereotypes too. Yeah. Just that to me, I mean, it, it's reflected in both films, but I don't know. It's just that's terrible, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Um, is there any other scene that you remember too? I mean, there's so many. In relation but. to the stereotypes, the mammy the mammy characters really stood out like that. But that's like the most blatant like stereotype I yeah. know from that era is the mammy character. Right. You know, but like like I said, it really remind the, the the characters in um, Goodbye Uncle Tom reminded me a lot of the way Samuel L. Jackson was depicted in Django. Yeah. And like those kind of like characters who are essentially brainwashed. Um, and it just it it I'm like lost for words for how like intense it is and um, to mention one character who's later on in New Orleans I guess it is mm-hmm. it's later on in that in uh, Goodbye Uncle Tom where he's like he's like trying to uh, she's talking to the director or the journalist or whatever he's saying like well if you think about it like I'm ba- I'm basically just a paying being paid for as as a worker and all my health care is covered for essentially and like he's like okay with it. Yeah. And then he's, like, comparing himself to, like, somebody who's uh, actually, like, a day worker and actually has to do all this stuff. You know, it's really strange. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I know what you're saying, though. This, uh, this like, justification of, of, like, slavery and how it's okay. Yeah. Um, so weird. Um, yeah, the justification of, like, of, of, like, trying to back up these white like masters who are like brainwashed these people was just so weird to me yeah like how um, can they be okay with that and clearly you see some that are not okay with it but those are the ones that are heavily punished but yeah it's just strange and he explains like oh I'm worth two thousand dollars like any any uh, any master would know not to harm me and devalue me and I was like what the fuck like he's a useful asset so why would you like yeah. harm him I don't know man I can, there's like honestly <laughs> it's so shocking to be goodbye Uncle Tom a lot of the scenes that it's hard for me to like just single one out and talk about them because it's yeah. so there's so many there's so many the whole film is is like a brutal spectacle uh, of just what happened yeah um, I don't know man yeah. how about how about the use of, uh, of religion what did you think about that oh yeah that's right it's really strange um, what was it what religion was <sighs> There's, it, 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 I think it's Catholic. It's like a form of Catholicism, right? That oh, hold on one second. Sorry. Um, that to me was a really big deal. The this uh, in in Goodbye Uncle Tom. Um, I think they when they first introduced themselves, the directors. Yeah. Uh, you know them going back in time and like they're talking to all these plantation owners and they're like, oh, they're from Italy. It's like, so I'm guessing you're um, Catholic or whatever. Roman Catholic. Yeah, and they like they kind of make fun of him a little bit because. America has a lot of roots in Protestantism, which, you yeah. know, was against Catholicism. Um, so, to me, it's kind of weird how much Catholic imagery you see in this film, which wouldn't necessarily have happened in the United States, because most of the churches were Protestant-like, mm-hmm. or, you know, some type of, uh, that type of Christian de- denomination more than Catholicism. 
Um, and I think the reason you see a lot of Catholic imagery is because of where it was filmed, Haiti. Haiti being a very Catholic country. Um, so it's kind of funny that the setting itself um, changed the like the religious imagery that if it was historically accurate, you would have seen. Yeah, yeah, that's so... Um, it's so weird though. Like e- even the the director or whoever the journalist, the main the one on the camera, like his character plays a, like a pitiful part of this film. Yeah, he asks a lot of uh, questions to like the people. That 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 was that was so surreal too. I think that's what makes it more surreal is that the fact that the directors are communicating with the characters that are shown on screen yeah. uh, because it's like a pseudo documentary. So yeah. they like <laughs> they're pretending they're talking to like old plantation owners and stuff. Um, but isn't there a scene, at least to me, that kind of, uh, I don't know, to me it just seemed, it seemed to show the real intentions of the directors, and that was during, like, the horror scene? Yeah. Like, where they're, like, at a, they're, like, at a, I think they're just at a normal plantation house, but this, oh, yeah. the mammy is, like, offering them slaves to have sex with, I think? Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, she, it's, like, a 13-year-old, um girl and it's like uh she's saying oh um she's calling him master but he's just some a journalist right mm-hmm. and, he, and she's like oh i can't handle them uh i hate black men like i can't handle them they're too big and this yeah like, and like a lot of that ma- too. masters are the just big enough and like um she's and she was like oh i don't want any other master i want you master and then she's like he's yeah. like oh no but you're 13 and he's like controversial like yeah because he's like he's uncertain and then he's like okay and he like and he does it yeah so that to me is like whoa i don't know what were the directors thinking there's no way to like twist that around to make it seem well-intentioned you know everything yeah it's so that stuff like that is really weird like i don't understand like was it like in order to show the flaws and like all people in this time or like I don't know. Well, one at least one aspect or one way that you can see it is um, the the there. I think there's a scene where all these white men go into like this um, in this place where there's a lot of uh, female slaves, mm-hmm. and they go in and they just start like raping a lot of them and like having sex with uh, them. I want to talk about that. Yeah, and, that one's uh, really crazy. Yeah, and uh, later on you see there's a scene where one of the owners has a like a blonde. African slave yeah or a few like three of them I think and then the director asked them like why or the journalist asked them uh, why are they blonde or whatever and he says well some of them are mine some of them are my friends some of them are like my like he says like people that he knows like all these white men and he's like, yep. And he pretty much takes it like his normal. You know? Yeah. I mean, that did happen, obviously, oh, yeah. in American history. A lot of there was a lot of raping of slaves. Um, a lot of it, actually. But that I guess if you want to twist it that way, you can. It, it shows like the um, how even though white uh, men were or just a lot of racist uh, white people mm-hmm. at that time were viewing African slaves as being subhuman they were still somehow, like, sexually attracted to them and, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it, it's, to me, it's it's super... Ex- I, I guess it shows the, the real dark, exploitative feel of slavery, the fact that even though you're, like, treating them terribly and calling them subhuman and, like, worse than animals, you're still, like, having sex with them. Like, uh, I, I don't know. To yeah, me, it's, it's just, strange. It's really yeah. strange. Um, I want to touch up when you brought up the, the guys raping all those... Uh, 
African women in the barn house mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, do you do you remember what they said about how like basically saying that they're raping these women because they're all all of the people that all the plantation owners that own these slaves are being used for work and it's keeping the people the lower class people out of work and they're jobless so that's mm-hmm. why they were doing it. It's like and an act like, of revenge yeah. against the owners, but the only people that are suffering are the slave women, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So they're basically saying, so like, since they're out of the job, they're going to do something as an act of revenge. But, like, is it an act of revenge or is it, like... Yeah, I feel like the only one that's actually, you know, being victimized here are the women. Yeah. So, I don't... It's really strange the way they did pick that scene because it yeah. seems, like, really outlandish how they're just like so pissed off about this and like it seems politically driven but then it doesn't and then it's like what's actually going on and yeah it's a really weird film like there's a lot of mixed like uh messages that are going on here like what are you exactly trying to say as directors it's hard to tell sometimes yeah um because they almost seem like contradicting themselves a lot and i don't know it's weird but i don't know that scene itself is, is uh, one of the ones that I think of too. Sorry, um, is there's a scene where this uh, white male slave owner is um, he's taking his slaves to like a I don't know like some I don't even know what to call it. He like goes into a corner, just like a lot of water and like trees, and looks really pretty. It's almost like a little part of the uh, jungle. And then he like meets up with like another. washing him up and stuff. Yeah, and then he comes up with like another slave owner, and then he shoots him or whatever, and yeah. takes his slaves. He's like, doesn't he? He knows that there's their uh, slave owning is illegal, and he doesn't even pay his taxes. Yeah, like I don't know, like there's weird scenes like that, and I'm just like, yeah. I, I don't know. And he takes that guy's slaves. Yeah, just takes them. They're just like, okay, and they just go along with them. So strange. There's one more thing. What was it? Oh, when we were talking about how all those uh, plantation owners were like raping and having sex with their mm-hmm. with the females, right? There's a scene just before that where it's a group of women and they're reading an article somebody wrote about how like all of the um, slaves and the whatever servants that they have in the house keep getting lighter and lighter and like oh, yeah. and the excuses and I remember reading that in in school about like like how how the women actually believed or chose to believe that that their their men their husbands weren't actually having sex with the slaves but they were just because they're around them they're like rubbing off on them yeah. pretty much but, he said, like, but she says though um even though that their skin even though their skin are getting lighter they're still like their intelligence level stays the same or whatever yeah and then you can see like some of the slaves are looking at them like yeah like what the fuck yeah like um, they know what's going on i mean yeah i i, I have definitely read about that and uh at, at, a big reason why women justified it like that um, was because they didn't have power over men at the time. Yeah. Um, they really couldn't sue or anything. Or Yeah, it was all about... You know, the focus was really patriarchal and men had the power in those relationships. So it's either like you take it or if you don't like it, a lot of those women would actually go and punish the slave woman wow. that, w- that was getting raped, even though she was obviously not asking for it. So that's how that's how it was at the time, though. Yeah. That was like the only, I guess that was their only way of getting revenge a- at their husband was to hit the women that he slept with, you know? So. <laughs> it was just insane. But yeah. it's really, that point is really crazy because then you see the flip side and it's just crazy. It's just yeah. like, well, 
And there's a little bit of weird stuff where the, the, the girl's like, oh, do you want to use this whip before? Master always uses the whip. Yeah. I'm like, is this like some sort of bondage thing or what's going on? Like, it was yeah. kind of weird. Like, there's a couple of odd stuff they there's throw in there. There's odd things in there, yeah. And I think a lot of them is like, obviously, um, it's obviously mixed with modern culture at the time. Yeah. Because um, like, one of the things that I thought of uh, we're, we're discussing it right before was the, the science, the whole science explanation of, it, oh, of things. And that did exist, but it wasn't as prevalent um, during that time as it was later on. Uh, it wasn't until like the Industrial Revolution uh, when okay. when we started getting the idea of like social Darwinism mm-hmm. um, in like pre- like early 1900s and like late 1800s. But this film is mostly focusing on like early 1800s and mid 1800s. So the idea of like having scientific excuse or, or justification for slavery and you know their their idea of like them being subhuman yeah. that didn't really happen until much later. Um, so I feel like that is a little bit also historically inaccurate. Yeah. But I mean that did happen at some point in history, and there was people who try to justify scientifically, you know, like oh our brain is physically or genetically better than than theirs so we must be superior because of that um things like that you know it's so strange when the doctor's going on about like certain things and it's like oh well they're like he's like testing his the 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 man's sweat he's like clearly this is inhuman right it's like like, but that's the thing it's that's like proto-eugenics thing like like right that's like stuff that happened before that so it's a little bit ahead of its time in terms of you know when it happened Uh um but uh because at that time, it wasn't so much as them looking for scientific justifications. Uh, it was more about them finding religious justifications. Yeah. And, you uh, see that in the movie. You, you definitely see that. So, But I'm just saying that those pieces themselves are not completely historically accurate. Yeah. Or it doesn't exist in the timeline that the film is supposed to be in, at least. I think just add that so they can come back to modern time. Because you can see yeah. like that it like starts slowly going back to modern era. Yeah. So exactly. I think that was just like a little bridge to move back in. Right. Um, but that that def- that scene is pretty terrible yeah. too. And then the the, the group of uh, natives. Oh, yeah, oh talking man, about that. that made me so. Dude, I I like was genuinely angry. Dude, I don't know why. <laughs> I was just so mad. They're just sitting there, like you're saying, like they don't say anything, and it's different with them because they don't have a master and they don't do. It's like he's going on and on. I was like, but why are they there? Like, why are they being showcased like that? Like. It's made me mad because they like already been, like we we I mean I'll, I'll even though like slavery was a pitiful thing in, in like American history like slow was so was the genocide of natives yeah like that I think that was it that's equally as important but like a lot of people brush brush it over and that's also what made me angry is like it's just like a small segment in this well, like two hour movie yeah but I, I think I think the film doesn't didn't want to focus on that yeah. aspect of it but I, the fact that they brought it up is actually kind of cool because yeah. I, I like the fact that natives Native Americans were still um, part of the discussion in that film yeah um, they they mentioned he says he compares natives to coyotes and he compares uh, slaves to dogs yeah. and that you can tame a dog but you can't tame a coyote yeah, yeah. Um, and that did happen uh, when before we started shipping a ton of uh, African slaves or Africans here for slavery. Um, we tried to uh, enslave Native Americans too, but that didn't really go too well because they knew the place really well and just would run away. So yeah. that's why he's saying the whole coyote dog thing, at least. 
I mean, think about it. An African, in order for an African to go back to Africa, they'd have to sail the whole Atlantic, yeah. you know, ocean. But if they wanted to go back home, they would just have to travel a few miles. And yeah, and I back. feel like, um, not to sound really strange when I say this, um, I feel like instead of like Africans were taken from their place, so they probably felt a little less in control when the natives actually were in their own home. Yeah. And could fight back because they were able. That's what they're basically doing already. Yeah. Is but like I, all they would do is fight, feed their their tribe, and then. I th- yeah, I think survive. that made that made them more. Um, the fact that they were taken from home, like abducted, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were put into a place that they had n- like never seen before, and they're speaking a language that they've never heard of, mm-hmm. and they're in like a you know society or social structure that they were not used to at all. Just that allows them to be controlled even easier, I think. So that's yeah. what allowed them to to be brainwashed the way they were, I guess, or have people control them as as much yeah. as they did. And having generations of your race, just hopefully I don't sound strange when I say that. Yeah. Uh, being um, told yeah. the same information over and over, and having it basically impro- programmed into them yeah. to the point where they're okay with it. Yeah. You know, so it's like years or months of like programming this race to understand that they're not human anymore. Yeah. They're slaves. Like they're they're meant for just slavery and to be the masters of the white race. Exactly. Um I don't think um Goodbye Uncle Tom goes too much into the Civil War, but I think uh Birth of a Nation does. Um Oh yeah. There's one thing I wanted to talk about in Birth of a Nation that isn't really talked a lot about in uh, Goodbye Uncle Tom, and that is uh, the idea of what the Civil War meant in terms of uh, society between the North and the South. Um, the Camerons and the Stone... Is it Stonewall, I think? Stonemans. Stonemans. Um, they visited each other. Uh, visited Well, the Stonemans visited the Cameron's house, and I think one of them fell in love with like yeah. the Cameron and then the Cameron fell in love with the stone yeah and, at the um, end you know it's like a like a happy ending where they both live, coincide and stuff yeah. but uh, yeah but the, the fact that um, there, there was this like we the D.W. Griffith builds up this relationship and, and tries to get us as an audience to be empathetic towards their the relationship yeah um, we uh, that, that allows us to, to feel even more um feel it more of a tragedy when the civil war begins where they have to fight against each other yeah um and, and that's kind of like something that is not even mentioned in goodbye uncle tom at no, least no, no, no. um but in birth of a nation it definitely pushes that tragedy yeah uh, to the forefront um, there's a scene that i remember um where one of the i think it was a stone yeah i think it was a stoneman who gets who gets shot and he's like mm-hmm. on the floor. Yes. And he's about to get hit with a bayonet uh, by a southerner, confederate, who I think happens to be part of the Cameron family. And then they like see each other and they're like, oh, he's like, it's you, whatever. Yeah. And they, they're like about to smile. Then he gets shot in the back and he falls down. And then like they lay down next to each other and they and they die. Um, so that shows like the, that although they were fighting against each other, they're still brothers, I guess. Yeah. And it's all just kind of one country. So that's what makes the, the war that much tragic is the fact that you kind of have to ally yourself with one side or the other mm-hmm. and it's it's like a, it's an, a war about political ideology more than it is about you know like anybody taking care or conquering another land i yeah. guess 
Um, and it's really strange because it puts, <laughs> it takes like the tension off of, like, reality and puts this really strange like pressure on, the like, black race. It makes it the makes them the enemy. Like they're the yeah. cause of this. Like we went to war because of them. Yeah. And then they're trying to take over and all this other stuff. Well, and that's what I was gonna go into. There's a there's one scene. Do you remember where the there's like this black army, this black militia, who like take over. Um, yeah. The the, the the house of um, what are they calling him? The Camerons. Yeah. And uh, there's a in text it says that they were actually raised in South Carolina. So it kind of shows, like, even though these guys were raised in the South, like, they have, you know, they're still attacking us afterwards. That's how yeah. much, like, you can't depend on, like, black uh, on black people, really. Yeah. So they, like, come up to them, and they just start, and, and there are, a lot of them are blackface, actually. Yeah, no, the majority of them. And they, like, go in, and, and although there did exist black militia, but obviously, it was, like, it wasn't not like that. that. Yeah, extent. not to that extent. Not to like that, No, and, and they were actually, the, like, the first, they were put in the front of the war. They were put, like, yeah. in the front lines. I remember reading that, too, in middle school. Yeah, yeah. so it wasn't, it was nothing like it, that. Yeah. So, but they, they went in and uh, they started, you know, like, breaking in through everything and just shooting anybody they see and it just seemed really disorderly and, and you feel bad as an audience member for the Southerners. You feel like they're the victims mm-hmm. and um, they're the enemies. They break in and like, because the, the people that are running away from it include uh, family members from the Cameron family. Yeah. And they're like going into like, they're scared and they like lock the door and then they're telling their dad and the dad like tells them to go run with their mom, and then like mm-hmm. he gets like I think he gets shot or hit or something. Yeah, I think it's and, shot. And, and he like gets put on the floor or whatever. So we like start feeling bad for them, and we see like these black soldiers as the enemy. Yeah. But something I noticed too is that not only are they black soldiers, but they're also led by a white man, too. Um, yeah. like, like the commander is white, so. I mean, like, are they not able to command themselves? Do they need like yeah, some type strange. of white leader too? Yeah. I think before that, when you have that gentleman who's blackface and who's depicted trying to you know go after that one what's her name I think she might have been one of those yeah she's a I think it's not Elsie that's not Elsie for sure I think it's uh, Flora I think it's Flora where she's like at at the ledge and she's like I'll jump off if you come any closer and he like is depicted so crazy like like, I believe almost Frankenstein-ish and he's very like his facial features are strange. His eyes are so wide. And yeah, yeah. No, and like, it seems monstrous, not yeah. even human at that point. Um, yeah, that is a crazy scene. Um, she goes up into the cliff. He like follows her all the way up there. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, I'd rather, you know, jump off this cliff than have sex with uh-huh. you or have any relationship with you. So she jumps off and commits suicide. Yeah. And um, then you're led straight into that scene with the militia afterwards. So then the, the audience is depicted this, this gentleman as the core reason for the militia being bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole um, film shows that any time, like, African-Americans had any power, they were just very, very extremely abusive. Um, and that's the part that is that makes me angry the most, I guess, about this film, yeah. is the depiction of um, what happened after the Civil War. Um, after the Civil War, the North did have, you know, gave uh, some type of punishment toward the South, um, and the South did have a few economic problems because since a lot of slaves were not working in plantations anymore, uh, as it was deemed illegal after the proclamation, Emancipation Proclamation, um, economically they were pretty ruined for a while. 
And that's why it's called Reconstruction, because they were reconstructing the South. Yeah. Um, but the way this film shows the reconstruction is that African uh, Americans got to like political leadership and like were in charge of like the Congress and they were all, they're all showed like eating fried chicken and, yeah. and like putting their shoes on the desk or whatever. Yeah, very and sloppy, unorganized. Sloppy, not even like doing anything. They're just they're just ruining the country basically. Yeah. And so who are the heroes? Oh, we have the KKK and they come here and they like um, you know they they basically. Physically, um, you know, kill black people, but not only that, but they also uh, intimidate them from voting too, which to me is a little bit scary because it foreshadows um, what the KKK did in the future during the civil rights movement, um, where they did the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, they they you were see where they got the inspiration from. Yeah, no, and really, literally, because yeah. right after this, it was the second wave KKK movement. Yeah, and then the third wave KKK movement basically was like another re um they came back again yeah. revival yeah. uh during the civil rights movement because they were afraid of they're they were being threatened again they felt threatened yeah um god damn one big thing too is uh during the civil war even though they're like the north and south are fighting there's a scene where like they uh real they they basically both realize that african slaves or sorry african americans having any type of power would just destroy the country. Yeah. And so there's a there's a scene where it says uh yeah, like dude. basically that the north and the south are are reunited again um for the for the Aryan race or whatever yeah. like basically showing you know that like although they have ideological differences that they recognize that the Aryan race is like superior superior yeah dude. I mean this is okay don't get me wrong this is a really good story driven film and it's. For 1915, the stuff that's going on is amazing, but it's just so hard to, like, digest this movie. Yeah. It's so hard. Like, it's... I think it's even harder because of the time. It's, it's, it's 1915, and, like, people, like, the ignorance of people then, in comparison to the ignorance of people now, is a lot different, because now you can actually look up and see, like, oh, was this fucked up, or is this, like, yeah. the truth? Then it's like, well, you said it. Okay, sounds good. Sounds about right. I'm from the South. You know what? I want to be liberated like this. Yeah. You know what? I don't like white people. And then there you go. Chop, chop, click, click, plan. I think even the president uh, at the time, I think it was Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Uh, there's a, he like quoted, or he had apparently watched this, had like a private screening of this film. And he said that like, it's a history written with lightning or whatever. Like yeah, he praised the that. film completely. And it just shows how like messed up the country was in terms of how they viewed uh, history. That was called, um, there's like a name for that type of, uh, understanding of what happened during that time. I think it's called like the Dunning School of something. Basically like, it's a, it's an alternate way of looking at it, but it's recognized now as just being like hate-driven history. Yeah. Um, that is historically inaccurate, but this film is definitely reflecting that, uh, historical view. That yeah. D.W. Griffith, <clears throat> man, my voice, <laughs> that D.W. Griffith, uh, believes in himself yeah man dude it's just so strange seeing that especially on film man like I can't imagine somebody thinking like that like in front of me having such strong views that that actually happened uh and and those like those stereotypes the black stereotypes um they all continued on into blackface too which is yeah um so a lot of well I'm sorry yeah, no. So this film came out in 1915. So a lot of um, min- minstrel shows and stuff like that, minstrel scene yeah. and blackface, um, 
people had already known about that. And so those characters kind of kept moved on. Go, yeah, moved on into even this film that came out in 1915. So it almost revived uh, old like black stereotypes yeah. that were used in minstrel shows. You see the mammy, you see... Um, like, uh, I don't know if you, I need to rewatch, but I'm pretty sure you see like a lot of like Uncle Tom kind of, yeah, uh, character, a like a Sambo character, like people who are like always drinking or lazy and like not doing their job or whatever. In the there's, beginning, there's like one or two. Yeah. There's a lot of that. So it's just, it, it shows the ugly side of American history. Um, and that's what we like, what did I want to move on to the next one? Uh, next part was, uh, when these films were made and how it changed the way that it was filmed. Uh, is that okay for me to move yeah, on no, to? Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, for Birth of a Nation, um, let's... If we go back really quickly, it's a mm-hmm. big film in terms of, uh, you know, like, what what the film did to advance movies in general. Yeah. Um, did a lot. To, yeah, to it did. Immense, the, the way it was filmed, the storytelling, the fact that he took... Um, it, was a, it was a novel, right? Yeah. And he made it into a screenplay. Yeah. And he presented it into a three-hour depiction. It's, yeah, like, it's an epic. It's one of the very first big epic yeah. films where, like, a lot is going on. You battle see big scene. battle scenes and, uh, like, establishing shots. But one of the big things that um, I learned about this film in terms of what it brought to, like, director's techniques mm-hmm. uh, was the idea, I think they called it parallel editing, which is like uh, the idea that whenever you want two actions to happen, like you want to show the audience that two things are happening at the same time, you cut to something and then you cut back to the other thing that's happening. Then you cut back mm-hmm. to the thing that happened originally, then back to the other thing. So you're kind of like going back and forth and it gives the impression to the audience that two things are happening at the exact same time. Yeah. That's something that he did in this film, that he developed in this film. So it's huge in that because a lot of obvious, like pretty much every modern film has that nowadays. Yeah. If it's not just one continuous shot and they're, if you want to show two things are happening at the exact same time, you like cut back. Like you see yeah, that in yeah. a ton of action films and stuff like that. So it obviously had a huge uh, influence in terms of the way oh, it was definitely. edited and directed. Um, so I will give it that. I will give it definitely its its credit. I'll give the credit where credit's due. Yeah. But um, I mean, store and even in it's still taught in classes that although this is a controversial film that. It did do a lot for cinema. Yeah, it, it did a lot. It changed it. it changed yeah. everything. Well, D.W. Griffith was one of the very first uh, huge directors that like changed the game pretty yeah. much. Um, and uh, but in terms of when it was made, this was made in 1915, and this was not too far after the Reconstruction era. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, they were kind of moving past that already, going into the new century, 20th century. But um, it, it, I think it had such a big impact. Um, because of when it was made that uh, it even, like I said, it even inspired the second wave of the KKK. Uh, the original KKK came out during that time. So it's, it, to me, it's funny. So it's it's a film that depicts the first wave of the Ku Klux Klan yeah. simultaneously inspiring the second wave Ku Klux Klan who was inspired from the first wave. Yeah. Um, and so the second wave Ku Klux Klan came out, and obviously that is a big social impact, mm-hmm. uh, a negative social impact at least, uh, unless you're racist. Uh, <laughs> racist, reach into your soul and pull out a racist. <laughs> Nobody will get that. And, and they're, I know, it's like one guy. <laughs> yeah. Rock battles. Yes, yes, me too. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but there, that that second wave of KKK was more, um, like I said. 
This is in the 1920, like 1915. So mm-hmm. moving on to 1920s, that was the Roaring Twenties where the Prohibition came out and we had like speakeasies and all that stuff. That was a little bit right before that. Um, so the second wave of KKK, they were like hardcore conservative. They were like for Prohibition. Uh, they were, they wanted to, they used the quote, uh, they preached 100% Americanism. They wanted purification of politics. Uh, they wanted like an increase in morality. They hated the Catholic Church. They felt that it was like a threat. Yeah. Um, they were anti-Catholic, anti-native. They hated uh, Jews, Blacks, Catholics, and you like uh, Europeans, like usually like Italians. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of funny because that is a good about Uncle Tom thing. Yeah. Um, when they make fun of the Catholic Church and whatnot, but yeah. Um, so that was the second KKK, um, and. Like I told you before, it kind of foreshadowed the third wave that came out a little bit later on yeah. in the civil rights movement. Uh, and that helps transition us to when the Goodbye Uncle Tom was made. Goodbye Uncle Tom was made in 1971, I think. Yeah. And this was a little bit after the civil rights movement, uh, post-civil rights movement, like immediately right after. Yeah. Um, when there was an increase in black power, the idea, yeah. the ideology of black power and the Black Panther Party. Uh, which started like around 1968, uh, taking the Malcolm X teachings and, and putting them into practice and helping communities um, and at the same time kind of protecting themselves. Uh, obviously, if you know history or as, as long as you're some type of, you have some type of knowledge yeah. at that time, you know that um, they were pretty controversial with their, and the stuff they were doing uh, because they were so radical, Radical, I guess. Uh, they had such radical ideology. And the ending of Goodbye Uncle Tom definitely <laughs> reflects that. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, it's the greatest, like, that? last, what, 10 minutes of the film? It's incredible. It's just this very, rightfully so, angry African American gentleman in a priest outfit, which is hilarious. But he's got an afro. And he has an afro, so. And to me, that is, just, like, uh, the Black Panther Party actually promoted, like, Afros. having a natural African. Because before that, uh, during the 50s, a lot of uh, African Americans would actually like straighten their hair mm-hmm. or like you know look a certain way. If you think of a uh, Nat King Cole kind of thing, like very yeah. Um, I forgot what the style is like corn. corn I don't know what it is. Corn roll? No, not corn roll. <laughs> Dude, that's like it's like Jamaican. Style. Yeah. I know. Uh, no, I forgot what it's called. But like the when it's like, it's almost like wavy straight almost, and they whatever. I don't know what Nat that King is. Cole like really popularized that a lot. Um, but uh, during the Black pa- uh, Power Movement, um, they really forced. They they really wanted to push to the forefront, just being naturally African. Um, yeah. Showing you know like if you don't do anything in your hair, you have an afro. So they promoted a lot of uh, afros and stuff. So it's interesting that this guy is also wearing an afro because yeah. it shows that like um, affiliation between the party. Obviously, when they show in the scene, that it's already modern times, right? Yeah. Um, this is like in nineteen seventy ish when yeah. I'm pretty sure they were making the film. Um, and he's just strolling along the beach reading, uh, what's that, Turner? He's, yeah, he's reading Confessions of Nat Turner, which kind of connects the two stories together. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, these murders he's talking about, but played in a sense of a modern era. Like, um, right. the, he's depicting all these white folks around him. Because he's like on a beach with like a yeah. bunch of just white people around him. Yeah. And he's reading in like a little like tree, I think, next to a tree. Yeah. And uh, while he's reading this, he's imagining himself or like he's imagining two uh it's like two like black like these black power um i get 
black militants, as they were yeah. called. Actually, I don't know if you noticed during that scene. Uh, on the radio? Yeah, the guy yeah, turns on the radio that. and he says, these black militants have been attacked, whatever. So, like, that is obviously uh, showing that this guy has, uh, you know, part of, like, the Black Panther movement or has yeah. some type of affiliation to that. Yeah. But it shows, like, these black uh, Panthers, two black Panthers um, going into, like, white houses, like, invading them and bringing axes and just axing them. Axing these two white men and then bashing this baby's head in. Like, yeah, into the wall and, like, just brutal murders and like that. And it's coinciding with the... The, the novel that the he's novel, reading yeah. of Nat King uh, and, uh, you know, his, his, what he did, his uprising. Um, but, I don't know, that's an awesome, like, yeah. the, the, and the, like, the music, too, is very, like, 70-ish, yeah. like, hard rock stuff, and. Gnarly, dude, I love it. It just adds to that feel. And I like the last, the last scene where he's, like, bashing those people's heads in. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, at the, they're all dead, and they're all stacked on each up, top of each other, covered in blood. And then both of them go in and just break apart all the, like, materialistic things they have. The refrigerator, all the products. Yeah. The whole room just fucked up. And and this is all happening while he's reading the novel. Yeah. But my favorite scene is the actual very end where uh, this kid, like, is, is uh, like, on the beach, I think. And it's like a beach ball, I think. And it lands yeah. next to uh, next to the guy that's reading the novel. Mm-hmm. And he grabs the ball and he, like, tells him to come closer. Come closer, just... Waves him over. Yeah, waves him over, and then the, the kid is a little bit, like, intimidated, and he gets closer and closer, and as he's getting closer, like, the Squeeze music gets it. more intense, and he's, like, squeezing the ball, and kind of, like, shaking, like, really angrily, and kind of really, really showing his frustration, and as, like, the kid gets really close, he, like, blows it up with his hands, and then he just kind of, like, smiles, and that's yeah. the end of the film. Um, but, yeah, the, the uh, obviously, this film was made in 1971, so it has that context of... Uh, Black Panther and like radicalism and uh, you know like militants this militant mm-hmm. style of thinking um, and it shows in that film for sure uh, just the, the the brutality of the film too should like shows I mean exp- it's very exploitative it has yeah. it follows the exploitation tradition that was big at that time I'm, and don't forget like <laughs> this is still like drink your blood era this yeah. is still like the murders are rad yeah so heavy like that they're heavy like all of those this is the like Black films. Christmas thing like this is still yeah. around that like Black time Christmas. so it's it's it shows uh, the goriness uh, reflects reflects the time, time I guess the context of the time um God, those murders are so beautiful yeah sorry I know it's pretty you awesome finally get your happy ending like <laughs> and it's not even like a weird thing it's, it's not really a happy ending it's like so, so gruesome but but like, uh, you're, you're down for it like you're, you're, you're you agree with everything that's going on yeah um, after the, the directors of Goodbye Uncle Tom got uh, attacked or criticized after they made uh, Africa Blood and Guts, which is like about the, I think it's about, I haven't never seen it, but I, I've read about it. And I think it's about African, um, like after the English left African, the African, they're African colonies mm-hmm. in Africa and they fought back. Um, but the film like shows that like they needed, they, that they depended on Europe and, uh, <clears throat> and they depended on Europe for like to survive basically yeah. and that without them they would be lost mm-hmm. and so a lot of people criticized them like saying like that's really racist and you know it's a little bit historically uh, inaccurate yeah, and so their response to that was this that's film um, but even though they were I guess they were trying to show that they weren't racist uh, they still got attacked again for being racist I mean, in this film how uh, can you <laughs> one of their biggest critics is Roger Ebert who uh <laughs> 
in uh, Africa Blood and Guts he said like you know, this is like such a racist film it's disgusting and then this film came out and they're like expecting a better response and he says um, he says the directors have made the most disgusting contemptuous insult to decency ever to masquerade as a documentary he calls the film cruel exploitation and uh, he says the most specific and rabid incitement to race war I'm sorry that was Pauline Kael the guy who said that second part um and a lot of uh, a lot of people during this, I think it's important to mention that, remember, this is 1971 uh, when we still had the third wave of, of the KKK, yeah. you know, when they're like fighting back against the civil rights movement um, and the political, um, the, their, their political power growing. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that were against this film when it came out was actually a lot of white nationalists and the KK, and KKK members. One of them being uh, David Duke, who was like a, uh, the leader at the time, and he said God. that it was he said that this film was a Jewish conspiracy <laughs> to incite blacks to fight against whites. So it was con- controversial even at that time, and it's kind of funny how the KKK kind of with these two films pretty much we see the first wave that's depicted in Birth of a Nation then the second wave that happened after Birth of a Nation and then the third wave um, yeah. happening during this film and the response it had wow but yeah it uh, it was definitely a, a, you know a film that a lot of people took as a threat and because it, it's so brutal and it yeah. really it honestly Honestly, if you were, I think if you were black at the time and you watched that film and, you know, having just experienced, you know, Martin Luther King's death and, yeah. and what happened during the civil rights era, um, this film, I think, would probably get under your skin a little bit and, and really, really get you angry about yeah. everything. So I can see, like, why people got so worried about this film. Um, and I, I don't know, like, what do, you, what do you have to say about that? I, okay, it, it's also... <laughs> Because seeing this now in a, in a completely different mindset, it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's I see where they're now. going from, but you have to think about all the energy that's going on, how hyped everything is, how mad everybody is right now, how empowered all black people feel at the moment. Yeah. And, and then this, like, reminding them how brutal yeah. like, just, whites were against, you know, like, slaves, African slaves. It's just kind of strange, but... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally think that they probably should have seen it both ways, like, maybe... Like, it's a good thing for everybody to see this, like... But yeah, it's there, also the time that's different, and... There was a lot of racial tension at the time, yeah. and I, I think this... I, I, both films actually came out during a height of racial tension, yeah. so... Um, but this one being more modern, and... Yeah, I, I can see why it was really, really controversial. Oh, it came out in a, in a really... In a really scary time, I think. Yeah. Um, so, when race relations were a little bit... Uh, you know, tense. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it shows it at the end with that, that black guy, the Afro. Yeah, yeah. It shows it, how it, tense it is. It yeah, like. that's a perfect scene to end it, I think, because it shows, it really is a reflection of literally what was going on at that time when yeah. the film was made and how they felt. I love the, the ball scene because it's him, like, I think taking out all the anger he's read and, like, not only the things he's reading that happened in the past, uh-huh. um, but also things what he's out. experiencing at that moment, and he's just going insane, and he just boom, he blows it up. So yeah, I think that was awesome. That's beautiful. That was beautiful. We're almost done. Like this is the final thoughts. Like, yeah. No, I was just making sure because it was like doing something weird. Okay. Okay. Um. So, 
Do you have anything else to say to wrap it up? Uh, um, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, I kind of wanted to really um, talk about one more scene in Birth of a Nation that I forgot to mention, but was um, kind of goes with the tragedy of the Civil War and mm-hmm. what the film was trying to push. Yeah. Um, that, like, that sentiment. Um, there's a scene where we see a pile of dead soldiers, like, all yeah. over northern and southern ones. But before they go into that scene, it says, um, and in like text writing, uh-huh. it says, War's peace. Like the peace of war. Yeah. And you just see like dead bodies. So, so like, and there's like the, the music goes like kind of really low. Somber. Yeah, and somber and sad. And it just shows that like, it's true. I mean, I think it's still relevant even today um, that we, it, it's kind of funny how we're looking for peace when we fight wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we indirectly cause that peace through death like you know after the battlefield and everything's over and you know there's just it's all just death there's almost like a peace to it because there's no sound anymore yeah you know like a huge like there's a lot of sounds going on like explosions and guns and all of a sudden just nothing dead silence yeah and so that's why it's considered like the scene was called War's Peace. I don't know. I thought it was like really artistic. No, yeah, it is. Especially the whole scene is very artistic. Yeah, like the the the, the imagery and what's yeah. behind it is really. The hue intense. is also like red. bluish and like well, it was like oh, red yeah. right before during the like the blue. war, and then it turns bluish right after. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to mention that I like that scene. Um, I mean, what, that's a final scene that that I I thought was really interesting. What is one? Oh, dude, I, forgot. I told you to remind me what I was going to say. I completely forgot. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Uh, what's a good one? I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go on the on the latter end and say something about uh, Goodbye Uncle Tong. Tom. Tong. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I guess, you know, the whole movie itself I really en- enjoyed, but endured. <laughs> Oh, yeah, let's, let's, I'm gonna quickly mention that we yeah. both when we both watched okay I watched the film first and I let you borrow it and yeah. you watched it but uh, the very first time I watched it it made me sick like yeah. I, I felt sick I couldn't eat the rest of that day like I felt really grossed out uh, like more than I've ever been for any other film I think I felt that again in kind of a holocaust yeah but that one messed me up <laughs> yeah this one messed me up too though the first time I watched it I just yeah. I, I, so badly that I actually didn't finish it and it took me like I watched it I finished it about a week later yeah uh, when I finally had the guts to do it but it's it's definitely a tough it's film heavy. to watch and I mean, they're all the both movies are online but like be, be careful watching this. Don't be eating or anything. It's pretty bad. Like yeah, just be, be prepared to see the most horrific brutality. Like the more the most brutal it's images. It's so of surreal. Slavery. It's so surreal the way it's depicted. Man, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch this movie, but I think everybody should at least give it a, ch- a shot. You mm-hmm. know, to uh, try to endure this two and a half, two twenty two hour twenty minute movie. Um, it it kind of shows. Like it gives you a picture to the history of you learned, yeah. As a child and in college, because even well, if you, I mean, most people, unless you're a history major, um, most people just get their history from like high school. Yeah, and it's and, very little. And it's very little. They don't. They they mention like, oh, there was a lot of people in slave ships and they treated them badly. Yeah. But that's it. But when you actually see it, yeah. that's where you. It puts a face to how disgusting. Yeah, and and it, was. it shows how 
how the United States has a really brutal history, and this is yeah. just one of like one of a lot of things that happened in this country that um, that is sad and disheartening, really. But yeah, yeah. it's it's true though; it's fact. So yeah, it's an it's a it very happened. exaggerated version of the truth, but the truth nonetheless. Yeah. Um, with that said, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up there. Yep. Um, we'll see you guys next week. And I don't. We, do we have? We'll figure it out. We we'll always figure, figure it out. out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right. Till next time. Till next time. See you later. See you.